Good morning. We are so glad that you're here with us today. Thank you so much for, again, making us part of your weekend. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Craig. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. Me and my wife, Lauren, actually help lead uh, student ministry here for our campus. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you, September is a good month for student ministry. Uh, we're back in the routine of things. We're back into the fall way of doing things. And this past Wednesday night, we had our junior high and high school. We call it Real Life. We had our fall launch for Real Life. We had over 100 students at Real Life this Wednesday. Come on. That's a big deal. And so uh, it was an amazing night. We had a lot of fun. And then one week from today, uh, all you college students, it's your turn. We are launching Elevation uh, in one week. Come on, if you're a college student, can you make some noise if you're excited? But Elevation is coming one week uh, from today. Uh, we are very excited about this. It's a brand new experience for college students and uh, we can't wait. There's going to be a uh, fall launch. There's going to be worship. There's going to be small groups. There's going to be a message. There's going to be all the coffee. Um, plus, uh, there's rumors of an after party happening also, so you definitely don't want to miss it. It's going to be an amazing time, <clears throat> and we can't wait for that to happen in one week. Well, uh, as you can tell, I'm not Kevin. Uh, Kevin is actually speaking at a marriage retreat this weekend, and so uh, you get stuck with the backup quarterback, um, which in the case of Arkansas, we're not going to talk about it. I'm, I'm just... I'm over it. We're not we're going to deal with it. Um, we are in week three of a series called Clickbait. And uh, if you're just joining us during this series, we're talking about things that can distract us, things that can get our attention away from the plan that God has for us. And when, when I was preparing for this message this week, I was, I was doing my research. And the Internet provides us with a lot of source material when it comes to clickbait. And so before I really dive into the serious part of this message, can we have some fun? Is it okay if we have some fun in church today? I wanted to show you my favorite uh, clickbait headlines. So let's go ahead and put the first one up there. Um, it's on the screen. Yeah. You'd never believe what this woman looks like after applying 100 layers of foundation. She looks like that. That's what she looks like a claymation figure. I don't why? Just why? Why would you do it? Okay, I don't know. Uh, number two, the second one. Let's see it. Uh, he thought it was Bigfoot's skull, but then experts told him this. It's a rock. <laughs> the man found a rock. Um, yeah, okay, next. Um, yeah, this made me laugh. Ten American TV stars you didn't know were Aussies. Listen, if you had ever watched Steve Irwin, Crocodile Hunter, back in the day, and didn't know he was Australian... We can't be friends anymore. <laughs> we just can't, okay? I don't want to know you. Um, next one, let's see. Yeah, this is my favorite. What these 80s megastars look like now will shock you. <laughs> it's a puppet, okay? I just want to put that out there. It's a puppet. So um, this morning, I want to talk about another area of clickbait that the enemy will try to use to trap us. And I want to talk this morning about the area of offense, um, Nudge the person next to you and say, I'm offended, okay? Because being offended is just kind of part of life, right? Um, so much of what Jesus dealt with when he was teaching was around the area of offense. Why? Because he knows what offense can do to your soul. Matthew 5.44 says it this way. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Now, I used to, to work in marketing, and if Jesus had come to a modern-day marketing firm with that kind of you know, headline for his book or, or some article he wanted to write, the marketing firm would shoot it down very quickly, because that's not very attractive as a headline. 
That's kind of like anti-clickbait, okay? You don't want to, you're not going to get a lot of views by posting, love the people that hate you. No, that doesn't work. We want vengeance. We want, we want death to those people. We want to kick them hard. We want to pour hot coffee on them. We, we don't want to love our enemies. But Jesus was constantly saying, if somebody does you wrong, you need to turn the other way. Don't harbor these things. Don't take offense at these things. And so when it comes to offense this morning, there are two stages of being offended that we can all relate to, okay? I'm going to talk about both of them very quickly. Stage one is the feeling of offense. The first stage is just the feeling of offense. For example, if I wanted to bring this point really home today, I would have shown up wearing a Nike t-shirt that I bought at Target, okay, while holding a Starbucks cup with an American flag on it, all right? I would have brought this point home. That would have offended somebody in this room. I want to make sure we cover all our bases. In today's culture, let me be honest, it's very easy to offend people, and it's very easy to get offended. If you don't believe me, go in the Facebook comment sections, okay? It happens all the time. It's terrible. Honestly, to, that's some of my favorite entertainment at night when I go home. I just scroll the comment section because it's full of, full of laughs. Um, so what does it mean to be offended? Being offended means this is when someone does something that makes you feel either overlooked, insulted, violated, taken advantage of, not considered. The feeling of getting offended isn't something that you can control, okay? Everyone's going to feel offended at some point. Everybody, somebody's going to do something to you that makes you feel offended. The opportunity to be offended is like being, being given a cup of poison. It's like somebody handing you this cup of poison and saying, here, this is for you. I brought this just for you right now. And the thing is, it can come from anybody. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe there's somebody in your family that, that disrespects you or, or passive-aggressively talks to you and just kind of walks by at the, at, the, at the family reunion around Christmas time. They just kind of come up and say something and go here and walk away. Maybe it's a coworker, somebody that, that you work with, and, and, and they're getting a promotion, and so they just kind of walk by. Or maybe they disrespect your work or the project that you're working on, and so every day at the office they may say something, it's like, that's for you, and they walk away. Maybe they don't even mean to offend you. It's just their lifestyle or what they do. It's just, it's just, it's just like they walk up to you and just without even realizing that they're dropping off a big old cup of poison, a big old cup of offense. Maybe it's somebody at church. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's somebody speaking. Maybe it's somebody greeting. Maybe it's somebody at some point in your, in your way into your seat right now. Maybe somebody offended you. Maybe they didn't say hi to you. Maybe you, maybe you sat down in this place today and you sit down and it's like, nobody, nobody said hello to me. First off, as the church, I'm sorry, okay? Because we pride ourselves on making sure we are a, a place you can call home. But we also know there's a thousand people that walk through our building, and sometimes we can't get to everybody. And so it's easy for us sometimes to walk in and say, well, they didn't do this right, or that music was too loud, or they didn't play my favorite song again for the fourth week in a row. I'm offended. And we take this big old cup of offense, and we sit there, and it shocks us. We can't believe it. We look at it, and we're like, I can't. How in the world? My stars, why would they... We look at it, we analyze it, we, we, we look at it from every, how in the, what, what is in here? We show it to our friend, can you believe what they gave me? I cannot, have, 
Have you ever had this before? Is it any good? It's not. We look at it. We, we show, we're trying to figure, out, figure it out. We're trying to, to, to logically come up with a reason why they would say something, why they would do this. And, and we get inside of our own minds. Anybody ever just kind of dwelt on something a little too long? Yeah, okay, okay. If you're not raising your hand, I'm the only one raising my hand right now. Okay, this is not cool. Thank you. Thank you. We can be real in church. I love it. Why would they do that? But then comes stage two. And stage two is something that most people don't realize is part of this whole process. Stage two is the choice to live or not live offended. Stage two is the choice. You have the choice. It's up to you whether or not, you can't help when somebody gives you this cup, but you can help whether or not you drink it. You you can help. It's your choice whether or not you want to live offended or not. You can't help when somebody drops off this cup. You can't help what that coworker says. You can't help what that family member says. But you can help whether or not you pick it up and drink it. Living offended is like drinking poison but expecting the other person to die. It doesn't work that way. We're sitting here like, I can't believe you would do that to me. I'm going to drink it anyway because it smells delicious. And we take a drink of it, and we're expecting the person that gives this to us to keel over and cease to exist. And it just doesn't operate that way. So the first thing we need to know if we don't want to live a life of offense is that offense is certain to happen. Offense is going to happen to you. We have to be prepared for this. If you're going to walk around thinking that nobody will ever hurt your feelings ever again, I'm sorry to break this to you. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. But that's not how it works. Somebody at some point is going to offend you. Somebody is not going to think your child is the prince or princess that you do. Your teacher may give them a failing grade. And you're like, how dare you? My child is the smartest person in the whole wide world. Somebody may not you know, believe the same things you do, and they may vocalize that to you. You may be in line at Starbucks, and somebody orders the wrong coffee. I don't know what it is for you. But at some point, everyone will be offended at one point or another. It's like taxes, okay? Anybody here like taxes? No, I didn't think so, okay? Taxes are dumb. I'm just going to be honest with you. I hate taxes, okay? When you're being in the ministry, working for a church, that just takes it to another level, okay? And I hate taxes. Every year, got to pay taxes, got to take care of all that stuff, got to get all that stuff together. But imagine if if I just assumed I would never have to pay taxes, Imagine if I had never had to file taxes. Imagine if I could just go, if I just lived this fantasy life that nothing like that ever had to happen. Well, come April 15th, I'm going to get in this world of panic because now all of a sudden I, I suddenly realize, oh, I have to actually pay taxes. I have to file this stuff. I have to do these things. It would, it would shock us. It would put us into a spiral. But instead, what do we know? Starting in January, you see the commercials for H&R Block. Starting in December, you start getting a billion emails from TurboTax reminding you that your account is ready to renew. And we have notice. We have preparation. Even right now, I know that I have to do that come April of next year. I know it's on its way. I can prepare for it. And because I know that, I can set money aside. I can rework some stuff. I can adjust how I live a little bit. I can, I can prepare accordingly for what's coming. Assuming that offense will never happen to you, living your everyday life like it's a shocker that somebody disagrees with me is like the same way. 
Jesus even talks about it. Luke 17, verse 1, he says, offense will certainly come. You're going to get offended. Jesus told his disciples, not only will you be offended, but many of you will be offended because of me. You will be offended because of me. And this is a great perspective, and I hope we can learn this. Because many times we think offense comes when something is wrong or somebody has done something wrong to us. But think about Jesus. He never did one thing wrong. In fact, some of you in this place today may be offended by God because he didn't do what you wanted him to do in your life. Or he didn't do things the way that you thought they should be done. And we get angry. We get frustrated with God and we we're, we're to the point we're offended that God would even look at us that way. We wonder, God, am I really a son or daughter of the house? Am I, am I really who you say I am? Is this plan that you have for my life, is it really something worth chasing after? And we, we look at God that way and say, well, if it is, then why didn't you do X, Y, and Z? Why didn't you do these things in my life? In reality, he did what needed to be done it just didn't seem like it to us. A few years ago, um, it was the week of my 30th birthday. And that week, I was feeling kind of sick, and I had just gotten over the cold, so I was feeling kind of crummy. And I remember laying on the couch one day, and Lauren, my wife, she comes in, and she goes, Hey, you know, how are you feeling? I'm like, oh, I mean, better today, but I'm just still not 100%. And she goes, well, I think, I think your mom made some dinner, maybe some soup or something. Uh, why don't we go and go over to their house and you can, you can eat? And I'm like, I don't really, can you just go pick it up? I really don't feel like getting out of the house right now. And she's like, come on, it'll be good for you to get some, get some fresh air, get out of the house, get out of, you know, cabin fever is really setting in, I think, for you. And, and we, we talked about it back and forth. And finally, she convinced me to get, off my rear and get into a car and go to my parents' house. And I get to my parents' house, and I, again, I'm, I'm not feeling super great, and I walk through the door, and surprise! My entire family, all my friends are in there. They had thrown a surprise birthday party for me. And it was in that moment, I was so glad that I got up off the couch and got there, even though I didn't want to. Even though the whole time I'm like, Lauren, why am I going? I, I really don't want to do this right now. I really am not feeling up to it. Why are you making me go? And sometimes I think we view our relationship with God that way. There are things that we don't want to do. We don't feel like it. We don't want to get off of off the couch and, and go do something. We don't want to go serve. And, and the plan that I had for the rest of the day was just sitting around doing nothing and binge watching TV is now, that, that plan is messed up and you're actually making me do something and we, uh, we, we get offended. But oftentimes God is leading us to a place that is better than where we were. And if we will just take the step, if we will just be open to it, if we will just trust God, God has a plan for our lives. He has something for us. We have to trust him. We have to know that it's coming. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you. This is this verse we, we talk about all the time. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, I know you've heard this. God has a plan for you. He plans good things for us, and he wants our best. He has our best interest in mind. One of the things that, that we hear all the time is that the world will say that we have the right to be offended. Culture will tell us this constantly. You have the right to be offended. 
Somebody says something against you, you can stand up for yourself. It's 2018. You can do what you want. You can be offended if you want to. It's your party. You can cry if you want to. It doesn't matter. 1 Corinthians 6.12, though, says this. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. The message version says it this way. Just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it's spiritually appropriate. Just because I can do it doesn't necessarily mean I should do it. Think about something like gossip. We all in here know this in this room. Gossip's wrong. We shouldn't gossip. We shouldn't do that to people. But is gossip going to get us thrown in jail? Is it illegal? No. Is it going to get us fired from our job? Probably not. But is it beneficial? Is it good? Absolutely not. Why? Because it ruins friendships. It breaks down trust. It can tear families apart. It hurts people. I told our students this analogy. We talked about, uh, for, for just a few moments on Wednesday night, we talked about dating. You're welcome, parents. Uh, we talked about dating with our, our high schoolers. And I gave this analogy, and I think it applies here as well. How many have ever had a mouse in their home? Okay, ever had a mouse in the house? Yeah? Um, every, at our old house before we moved, the house we, we, we lived in, we always seemed to have every, every once a year, okay, and it usually happened right around October in the fall, we'd have it, about one mouse that would just find its way into our garage. And it made sense because our dog Marcy, she liked staying in the garage back then, and so uh, we, had, we would crack the door open so she could get in and out. And so just kind of a open-gated invitation for mice and other critters uh, to get into our garage. But we would know a mouse was in our garage because Marcy would freak out. She would go berserk. She would start barking and, and just uh, like, something's in here. You need to come in here right now. And um, so we knew a mouse was in there, and we do what every good person does when you have a mouse. You kill it, okay? And we go to the store, we get a mouse trap, and if, if you don't know what a mouse trap is, it's about the size of, of, of what your phone would be, somewhere in that, that area. And you get a mouse trap, and you, you pull the spring back, and you, you lock it in place, and then you, what do you put in the middle? You put bait, right? You put a piece of cheese. We use peanut butter, okay? So you put that bait on there, and then you take the mouse trap, and you got to figure out the path that the mouse likes to take. And so we would take the mouse trap, and you usually knew the path the mouse liked to take because droppings, okay? Little bitty things everywhere, it's gross, okay. But you take the mouse trap and you put it in the path that the mouse usually takes, and that will get the mouse. And it's amazing to me to think see, the mouse trap is bigger than the mouse. You can't tell me that this mouse doesn't see the trap. But he's so enticed by the bait, he makes the choice to go after the bait regardless of the consequence. And so it goes after the bait even though the trap will kill him. He makes the choice. They get so focused they forget that this decision could lead to its death. We can get so caught up in the right to be offended that we never consider the cost of being offended. And some of us are living in offense. We're living angry at the world. We're living angry at every person, every, every demographic, every person who's ever done us wrong, that we're forgetting the cost of being offended, the cost to our own soul, the cost to our own relationships, the cost to people around us. But we have to remember that our fight is not against people. Our fight is not against 
other people that are around. Ephesians 6, 12 says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. We're not fighting against other people. The person that you're offended by, the person you have offense with in your life, you're not really fighting against them. They're just a physical representation of the real fight that's going on. The enemy wants to use these disagreements and he wants to use these, this, this offense to build a fence in our life that separates us. There's a scripture that talks about um, uh, why are you looking at the sawdust in, in one person's eye when you've got a plank sticking out of your own. We are not fighting against each other. We are fighting against a much more evil enemy. The enemy's agenda is destruction. His strategy is division. His tactic is offense. We're fighting the wrong battle. In 2004, there was a, a, a shooter named uh, Matt Emons. Okay, he was an Olympic shooter. In 2004, in Athens, he was competing. He was well on his way to winning the gold medal. All he had to do was hit the target on this last round, and he would win gold. And so he lines up. He gets in position. Puts his, his eye in the sights. He's looking down the line, sees his target, lines it up perfectly, fires bullseye. There's a video, I watched it this week. You can see when he makes the shot, he's happy. He's satisfied. He knows he's hit his target. But he looks up from his, his gun and he looks down the course at the target. And he's looking at the target and he sees no marking on it at all. He's like, I know I hit that. And he's confused. He's looking around. The whole auditorium is confused. It's watching this unfold. And he doesn't know what's going on. Comes to find out he had a crossfire. And he hit a bullseye, but in the wrong lane. One target over from where he was supposed to be. It knocked him down. He did not win gold. See, a lot of us, we're, we're firing shots. We're, we're doing battle, but it's at the wrong enemy. We're fighting against the wrong people. We're fighting against each other when we really should be on our knees fighting against our enemy. It's no secret, listen, it's no secret that our country is divided right now. If you, if you even glimpse at news or have a social media feed, we know that this is true. Can anybody agree with me on that? Okay, we are, we are disagreeing right now. I want you guys to check out this video. This is Pastor Rick. He spoke last night at at our GLR campus, and I want you to watch this video. He talks about something that's, that's super, super important. I want you all to check this out. I believe because of the racial tension that's in our nation that the church has an opportunity to be a light like crazy right now. And I just want to let you know that heaven is going to have every different look of every tribe of the world. So if you have a racial problem in any way, you are going to hate heaven. Let me, let me just read this, okay? After this, I looked, and there before me, this is about heaven, and was a great multitude that no one could count. Heaven's going to be amazing. <laughs> and it was from every nation, tribe, which means not everybody there is going to be white or black or yellow or whatever color people throw out there. People and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. We first started our church. 
for the first year or two, it was like a sea of white people everywhere. And I wanted to, so we're praying, Lord, let your will be done on earth like it is in heaven. Well, I know heaven looks like this, so I'm thinking a church should look like that if it's possible. Depends on the area you live in. I mean, you only have one race in your city. It's kind of hard to have other races there. But in our areas, we have, you know, variety. It's not as much as I I would like, but but I love Arkansas. But I remember after about a year, I looked out and I saw a black couple who was at our church. I was just so happy. It was the first time. And so I ran over to them a little too fast. And I, like in the sea of white faces, I saw them and I go, I just started talking fast. It's like, I'm so glad you're here. And I, and I remember telling them, I said, look, I know it could be awkward, but we, you're an answer to prayer. And we've been praying for heaven to be in the house. We can't look like heaven without you. And they're just looking at me. They would have stayed in our church, but I hugged them way too tight and way too long. Never saw them again. If you are a white person, you tend to be a little bit frustrated with another race. Like a black person then I hope if you make it to heaven, if you make it to heaven, I'm not getting into theology, but I hope if you do, that God will put you in a house right between two rappers. (laughs) Like like this music right here playing all the time. I hope you have to hear it all day. All day. Lecrae, all day. Lecrae, all day. Okay, wait, 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 wait. But if you are a black person and you are prejudice and somehow you make it to heaven I hope first of all hope you're in the neighborhood where Lawrence Welk and the Duggar family is and I hope REO Speedwagon is the music that they play all day this is it it's so white this is just so white you gotta hear it all day all day. All right. Why did I do that? Because I know it offended some people. Because we got to get past this, man. We need to laugh more. We need to hug more. You need to sit on a row where people are different than you, uh, from a different political party, think different than you. You need to hang out with people who don't even believe there's a God sometimes. We got to hang out with people different than us. But if we're offended all the time, we're not going to do it. We have to get this right. As the church, we got to get it right. He nailed, he nailed the, he- the, the nail on the head. We have to get this right. The world needs us to get this right. We can be a catalyst for change. But thankfully, as the church, we have the answer. And it's the last thing, and then I'm going to close. Don't forget what Jesus did for you. If we wonder, how how do we do this? How do we get better at this? We, We can't forget what Jesus did for us. The answer is right in front of us the whole time. We 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 can't forget this. Joe Champion, he is a he's a pastor of a church in Texas. He's close friends with friends with Pastor Rick and Not too long ago, 
his church was having some protesting that was, that was happening outside of his church for whatever reason. I don't, I don't remember the reason behind it, but people out front protesting, signs, the whole nine yards. And Pastor Joe and his staff did something that was anti-clickbait. They went and got food. I don't know what it was. I'd like to imagine it was Chick-fil-A. <laughs> but they went and got food and took it out to this group of people that were protesting. Said, hey, here's some lunch for you guys. Y'all need anything else? How may I serve you? My pleasure, okay? <laughs> and the people protesting were like, what are you doing? We are protesting you. How, why are you being... Why? Because they were being the heart of Jesus to people. It wasn't about hate. It wasn't about you versus me. It's about God loves you. You look hungry. Let me give you some food. See, it's really easy for us to think about what you did to me. Or, or what I did to you. But what we really need to remember is what Jesus did for all of us. And what he did was give himself away. He died so we could have life, and not just life, but life more abundantly. Now listen, I, I know, some of you have dealt with some very real issues. Stuff like abuse, or racism, or sexism. Some of you have gone through the ringer. Most of these things I'm not qualified to even talk about. There's a reason I had uh, we showed that clip of Pastor Rick. But one thing I do know is that healing doesn't come from the bait of Satan. It only comes from the healing of Jesus. And what Jesus wants for the generations that are represented in this room, what he wants for planet Earth, what he wants for the world is love. God has placed an eternal perspective in us. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Listen, I truly believe this. I speak this into our students all the time. But one of the reasons I think why our world has gotten so crazy, why our world is so upside down sometimes, I think it's a breeding ground for the church to do something amazing. I think it's an opportunity it's not, oh, doom and gloom and everything's going away and I can't, I can't live like this. I'm going to be mad at the world. No, it's an opportunity for the church to rise up and say, we're better than this. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. I believe that. We can live offended. We can choose to go our separate ways. We can choose to, to fight the wrong enemy. We can follow the example of Jesus and live a life that says, that stung what you said to me. That stung what you did to me. But you know what? My fight's not with you. There's a bigger picture in place. I'm going to have an eternal perspective. I'm going to let this go. Jesus wants us to live in freedom. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The reason we take bait sometimes, the reason any animal takes bait, whether it's a fish or a mouse or, or whatever, the reason we do it is because we're hungry. An animal will do it because it's hungry. We take the bait of the enemy because we're hungry. We're, we're missing something. We want nourishment some way or somehow. But yet Jesus is saying, if you're hungry, I'm the bread of life. 
I got you. After you take a, a bite of this bread, you're not going to be hungry anymore. You're not going to want anything else. You thirsty? It's cool. I am the, uh, the living water. If you drink from this, you'll never go thirsty again. You won't need anything else. You won't have a need for bait. You won't have a need for anything else like this. I want you guys to stand with me in this place today. I want us to bow our heads in this room and 